Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. What is your relationship like with money? Is your money so funny that it laughs at you? Do you hold on so tightly to a dollar that you hurt yourself? Or have you found balance living within your means and enjoying life? As we continue our series on practical wisdom, Pastor Ryan shares how to develop the proper perspective, desire, and value for money in today's message, My Money, My Heart. Uh, be here uh, with you guys this afternoon. I'm so happy and excited um, to, to be here and to be able to um, see so many of you. And by see you, I really mean your names, just knowing that you're here. Um, <laughs> so I thank the Lord for those of you that I see here. So wonderful to have you. Alrighty, so uh, we are going to go ahead and get into the Word of God because I'm excited about what God has for us today. These next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about money. Uh, specifically, though, uh, it, it's it's you'll see what I mean. But really, today we're not so much talking about money as we are talking about our hearts. As you all know, uh, that's a big thing for us here at Relationship Church. Uh, so today, today we're going to be talking about aligning our hearts to deal with money, aligning our hearts to deal with money. And then next week, we'll actually talk about aligning our finances. So we'll talk about some very practical things like saving and not getting into debt um, and, you know, just paying things on time and uh, um, investing in those types of things that are important for us uh, and not not being fooled by things like get rich quick schemes and all those types of of things but today we're going to specifically talk about aligning our hearts to deal with finances and you'll see in a moment why that is important and why it's not only important but it's actually um it's vital that we deal with that step before we deal with money uh, because you all know if you don't have the readiness or the ability to deal with money you can have millions and millions or billions of dollars. Uh, there have been billionaires who have gone broke. You know, there have been multimillionaires who have gone broke uh, because their mindset was not there. And that's many times the reason that people who win the lottery and win millions and millions of dollars are known for going broke because there was no preparation for how to deal with the money. They were just given a windfall all at once. Uh, but but even if you work for the money, you can end up in a situation where you in, have a lot of money, but you really don't know how to manage it. So the first thing we're going to talk about and what we're what our topic is for today is my money and my heart, my money and my heart. OK, um, and we are going to I am going to share my screen here with you. Um, but we're going to talk about my money and my heart. See. All righty. I think you guys may have the right screen. Uh, you know, I'm still kind of new to this. I can see Sister Gianna. So tell me, do you see on the screen, Sister Gianna, my money in my heart? Do you see the? Okay, good, good, good. Okay. All right. So my money in my heart. Notice we have my in quotation marks. Okay. That's on purpose because just like Brother Olu's talked about, and we didn't schedule this or plan this he probably knew from me saying before what uh that we were going to be talking about money in general but specifically what he said with regards to it's not our money uh you know and and that when you die there's a scripture even in the bible that talks about when you die uh something may happen to your money your money may go to somebody who you don't even know um, and and even with the will and even with the trust and all those things, there's still situations where, you know, me doing probate law, uh, I can tell you there's times where money has an effect that the person who passed away did not expect to have that effect on. And money goes to people like the court systems and the attorneys. You know, a lot of times it takes so much to probate a case. There's these people who are coming in and the vast majority of times. I have no idea who this person was, but they passed away and their family member came to me. And now a part of their estate is coming to me to probate their estate. And they had no idea who I even was. So it's not our money. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Uh, 
everyone that dwells therein. And so we have to realize that that's the starting point is it's not really my money. It's the money that the Lord has entrusted me with. And there's a scripture that's coming up here soon that we will look at uh, as a part of dealing with that. So I want to talk to you this morning or this afternoon, excuse me, about three things when it comes to my money and my heart. I want to look at the proper perspective for money. I want to look at the proper desire for money. Okay. And then, because there should be a desire for money, you know, the, we talked about uh, last week slothfulness and we talked about laziness and how when someone is lazy, it brings them to, uh, to poverty. Okay. Uh, so there should be a desire for money, but there needs to be a proper desire for money. So we're going to talk about the proper perspective or outlook of money on money, the proper desire for money, and then we'll conclude with putting the proper value on money or the proper priority, prioritizing money. Okay. All right. So first, let's look at the proper perspective, proper perspective. All right. So first of all, we have to look at money and understand that money is a spiritual issue. The our scripture that we're going to read from today, and I, we can go there now, it is Proverbs chapter 30. You know, we've been through this wisdom series. We've been in the book of Proverbs quite a bit going through and, and grabbing some of the uh, most pivotal and important things out of the book of Proverbs. So we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 30. And we're going to read, <clears throat> and this is the only time I'll really make you turn because uh, many of the scriptures are in the PowerPoint and the other ones that are not specifically in there, I will read to you, but feel free to turn to them uh, because it's always good to see the word of God for yourself. All right. So Proverbs chapter number 30, and we are going to begin reading at verse seven. And this is a man, this is, a, uh, this is one of the Proverbs that actually was not written down by Solomon. It was written down by a man named Agar, uh, or Agar, however you want to pronounce it. And there's not a whole, whole lot known about him other than that he's the son of Jaki, or Jakay. All right. And so um, we're going to jump in because who he is is not as important as what he said, specifically for us today in verses seven, eight, and nine. So uh, Agar says, two things I request of you, talking to the Lord. And he says, deprive me not before I die. So he's saying, hey, I want two things from you. And I want you to give me these things uh, as soon as possible. But if if nothing else, let me get this together. Let me have this this uh, these two things that I'm asking from you, God, before I die. All right. And he says, and the re one of the ways that we know, by the way, that he's talking about God is he says, two things I request of you, but it's a capital U. And in the Hebrew, whenever it was talking about God, and we can tell that from the context, you'll see that the, the, that, uh, the vast majority of the time, the Y is capitalized. If it's talking about a pronoun, but it's speaking of God, it'll be capitalized. And there's some times that that doesn't happen, but anytime it is capitalized, we know that it's talking about God. And he says, deprive me not before I die. Verse eight says, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Okay, and we'll talk about that a bit, but our real focus is on the second thing that he wanted. So that was the first thing he asked for. The second thing he said is to give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted for me. And he says in verse nine, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So he says, if I've got too much, I'll say, who is the Lord? Or he says, if I'm poor, I'll steal and I'll profane the name of the Lord. OK, so uh, money is a spiritual issue. We see from that. And so let's let's talk about that for a minute. Agar brings God into the equation by praying about his finances, praying about his finances. Many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't really pray about our finances. What we do and, and understand the difference here, we don't pray about our finances. What we do is we pray when we don't have enough. OK, so if we've got something that we want to do or something that we want to get done, then we'll pray and ask God to give us more because we don't have enough to carry out the dictates of our own heart. But but Agar brings God into the equation by praying about his finances before he has a need. He prays about what God should give him. He prays, he says, God, you know, he's a very self-aware person. Like, unlike many of us, he has a self-awareness that says, okay, I can't really have too much because if I have too much, I'm going to probably deny you. 
But but if I don't have enough, then it's going to be just as bad because I'm going to profane your name. I'm going to bring dishonor and disgrace to your name because I'm probably going to steal. Okay, now, I mean, think about this for a second. This is this is mind boggling how self-aware he is. He's saying, you know, most of us pray to have more money. Most of us pray to have everything that we ever wanted or needed. God, meet my need, allow my finances, give me the promotion. But he's saying, God, I want you to keep a certain amount back for me. Don't give me all that you've got. Give me what I need in order to make things work in my life. But don't give me more than I need because then I might just deny you. And if you give me less than I need, I'm going to be honest. I'll probably not trust you and I'll go steal what I think I need. I'll find ways to, to steal and to cheat in order to get what I feel like I need for my daily bread. And so he's asking God here not necessarily to be poor, not necessarily to live hand to mouth, not necessarily to live paycheck to paycheck. But what he's asking for is for God to give him in moderation. He said, I don't want to trust in my wealth. If you give me millions and millions and millions of dollars, I'll be in a position where I'm trusting in my wealth and I'll say, who is God? But if you don't give me at least what I need to get by, then I'm not going to have any trust for you at all. And I'll go out and I'll steal and I'll cheat and possibly even kill and it'll profane your name. And so I'm asking you, God, for moderation. I'm asking you for moderation. Okay, now I want you to look at Matthew and I'll read it to you. Matthew 6 and 19 through 24. Okay, now I want to back up to verse 6 and we're not going to read through all of this, but um, Jesus is talking about prayer here and he's talking about your charitable deeds. If you look at Matthew 6 and 6, he says, don't do your charitable deeds in front of men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have your reward. So he's talking about rewards and he's talking about doing things in secret. So you don't go blasting a symbol. You don't go making a Facebook post about how you help the homeless. You do it in secretly in secret. And God says, then I will reward you in an open way. Then he gets into what we call the model prayer and he begins to pray. And he talks about how the hypocrites stand and pray again on the outside. They look out and they're, they're like, I want everybody to know I'm praying. I want everybody to know I'm giving. I want everybody to know I'm fasting. But he says, no, shut your door and pray in secret. He gives the model prayer. And he's, uh, as we all know, where he talks about our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then he gives that down in verse 13. He talks about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then he begins to talk about forgiveness for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he begins to talk about fasting. And he talks like he did before with regards to prayer and to giving. And he says, don't do it openly to look so sad and you know they would fast back in those days and they say you know oh I'm fasting and they they look all crazy and they look all hungry and they were trying to show people how spiritual they were and he said no I want you to do those things to me in secret okay have your relationship with me in secret and then I will show the relationship that we have openly by rewarding you in an open way I will publicize your blessing, okay? He says, when you pray and when you give and when you fast, he said, do those things where nobody else can see and then I'll bless you openly. I'll bless you by publishing what it is that I am doing for you and that will show the relationship. But then quickly he goes after he talks about this reward that he says he will give and he says, but by the way, as I'm giving you this reward, don't lay up those rewards or those treasures on earth where moss and dust and rust come and against those things, where thieves break in and steal. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where there is no rust, where there is no thieves, where there is no uh, moth. And we talked about what those things represent. The rust represents decay. It represents age. If you've got money and, and you use it and nobody adds to it, then it just dissipates. If you've got a moth, then that is something like your money's in the stock market and you got these environmental factors and the money is dipping down uh, and, and you can lose your money that way. Or there's thieves where people will literally steal your money. We call it white collar crime. So when he talks about the moth, or the rust, or the thieves. He's talking about the three things that get to our earthly treasures, no matter what it is. Whether it's an environmental factor, whether it's just age and decay, whether it is a thief who steals from you, all of those things are able to happen to your wealth on this world. And so that's why he's saying, don't put your heart into those things, but allow yourself to 
store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where those environmental factors and things cannot get to it. He says in verse 24, and this is where I want to get to, he says, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He says, it's just impossible. You can't do it. You can't serve God in money. And so we have to realize that money is a spiritual thing. And many times he, he singles out money here in Matthew chapter six and verse 24, he singles out money. And the reason that he does that is because he knows that many times the things that are competing for our attention with him are either one, actually money, or the things that we do in order to try to get or create money. OK. And God said, I do not want to compete with your uh, money. I don't want to compete with your career. I don't want to compete with your business. I don't want to compete with your even get rich quick scheme because you cannot serve me and then also serve your career or your money or whatever it is you, that you do to get money. First Timothy 6 and 10, Brother Olu read from this chapter this morning in our opening verse talking about money. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You can even insert the word lust there. Lusting after money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So we hear the first part of that verse over and over again, right? We hear that all the time. We're still talking about point number one in proper perspective. Money is a spiritual issue. We hear the first part all the time. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's the root of all evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil. But then the second part of the verse makes it very clear to us that money is spiritual. It says, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness because they have gotten greedy. They have strayed from God. They have strayed from their faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So you have to realize and understand that when you are talking about money and chasing after money and becoming greedy, well, I just, I want to make my million and I want to make my first million. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be uh, uh, financially stable, but but really, what we ought to be seeking after is God and the things of God, and and not worried about money from what money can do for us, but but worrying about what we can do with money for others. Okay, because if God can't stand to bless you, if God can't trust you to bless you, then you'll never have what it is that you want. If you getting money is all about you then you'll never have what God wants for you. Or you'll end up getting something financially. You end up making your million and then you'll be pierced through with many sorrows. Because why? Because it was all about you. All right. All right. So it's a spiritual thing. And that's what we have to get right first. That money is a spiritual thing. But closely related to that, money is also a stewardship issue. And we kind of got into that because we just said if money is all about you, then then you'll never really have um, um, wealth in right context. OK, you'll never have wealth in the right context. You'll be the one that he talks about in First Timothy six and 10, where he says they're pierced through with many sorrows. So let's look at what money is from a stewardship standpoint. He understands Agar. We're talking about Agar understands that God is the one who gives and takes away money. All money is from God, okay? So I'm going to read to you Matthew 14 and 30. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. And this man traveling to a far country, uh, in this parable, we look at him as God, okay? And these servants are us, just for uh, context sake. It says, he called his servants to himself and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And when he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. So now the one with five got 10, right? And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But then in verse 18, it says, but he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five talents again, saying, Lord, you deliver five talents and look, I have gained five more. So he had 10. Verse 21. 
His Lord said to him, well, good, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you have delivered to me two. Look, I have gained two more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Many enter into the joy of your Lord. Now watch, I want to take this here for a second. Now he gave one five and he gave one two. One ten and one four. And notice that verse 23 is identical to the verse above it that says that his Lord said to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many, enter into the joy of the Lord. So that shows you it didn't matter how many they had. It matters what they did with what they had. And so the person that had five and made 10 got the same reward as the person who had two and made four. It says, but then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have it. What is yours? So he didn't even dig it out the ground for him. He said, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. Because in other words, God is calling for us to be good stewards over what he gave us. Okay. So he says, I do reap where I have not sown because yes, it is all mine. Everything you do, everything you make is mine. Verse 27, he says, so you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. So at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. He said, even if I gave you one and you couldn't double it, you could have came back with 1.2. You could have come back with something, but you were lazy. And so in verse 28, he says, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And to he who has, has will have abundance. But to him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this was a serious thing. God is saying, I give you money, and this is to us. This is the breakdown. This is where it comes back to us. He said, I am giving you money to be a good steward over it. I'm giving you money to be responsible. Because let's go back up to verse number 15. And I'm sorry, verse number 14. Um, and he says, I'm sorry, verse 15. It says, and to one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. It was it according to, to God. them know that I gave them what I gave them based on their ability to handle it. He says, I gave them what I gave them based on their ability to handle that thing. So many times we want more from God, but we have not upped our ability to handle it. We want more from God and we're praying for more from God. But, but God is saying, I can't trust you with more because I can't trust you with what I gave you. Well, God, if you gave me more, I would give more. Well, I gave you some and you're not giving anything to anybody in, in any kind of way that matters or that is substantial. Well, God, if you gave me more money, I would be more responsible with, recall, with regards to what uh, you gave me. And God is saying, well, no. Well, no, you're not going to be more responsible uh, because you're not responsible with what you have now. He said, well, Lord, if you gave me more money, then, Lord, I would serve you more because, I, I, I mean, I'm just right now, I'm in that agar position where I don't have enough. And so I'm profaning your name. And he's saying, no, if you're not serving me with what you have now, you're never going to see money as a spiritual issue. You're never so going to see money as a spiritual thing. You're never going to understand what stewardship is. You're going to be in a position where you're always going to do what it is that you do. Now, I want you to look at yourself as a fire, and I want you to look at money as gas. And all money does is light a bigger fire with whatever you're doing now, okay? Money is just an accelerant. It just excel accelerates you further into the direction of where you're already going. If you want God to bless you with more money, then you got to steward what you got. You don't have no kind of budget set up, but you're expecting God to bless you with more. You don't give, you don't tithe, you don't give any offering, you don't give to the poor, you don't do anything to help anybody else, but you want God to bless you with more. You don't see money and understand money as a spiritual 
thing and know that you got to put God first, even in your finances, but you expect God to bless you with more. And God is saying, no, because I bless according to ability. So if you want more money, read more about finances. If you want more money, learn how to invest. If you want more money, learn how to save. If you want more money, stop blowing everything that you make. And when you learn and you show me that you are faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many. Okay. Number three, proper perspective here. Money is spiritual. Money is a stewardship issue. issue. And then three, money is dangerous. Money is a dangerous issue. I want you to see this in verse number 30 and verse nine that we read from this afternoon. It says, he says in, in verse nine, if you remember, he says, I'm going to uh, launch into the middle of where we read, but it's Proverbs 30 and nine. He says, lest I be fool and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. So money is a dangerous thing. And Agar lets us see that money is not only dangerous if you have too much, but he's saying money can be dangerous if you have too little. Money can be dangerous if you have too little. Now, the first part is, is the part that usually is a problem for us is because we're lusting after money. We want more money, more money, more money. So verse nine, let's deal with the first part first. He says, lest I be fool and deny you and say, who is the Lord? The original Hebrew for that, uh, I like it because what, what it really is saying is, lest I be fool and deny you God and say, who? Like, like who, who is God? You know, I mean, I, I, I got everything I need. I don't need God. This is, this is actually the original. And let me just say, by the way, if you, if you're going to attend these services, you have to deal with my corny jokes and one is coming just to prepare you now. Okay. Now he's saying here, lest I be fool and deny you and say, who? So Agar is the original or the originator of new phone who this Okay, that's the agar is the originator of that. Okay, because he's like, if I get too much, you know, if I get to the point where I'm just I'm doing well and I don't really feel like I need nothing from God and I got everything I need, kind of like the children of Israel that we talked about. God had to turn around and feed them with manna because they got to the point where they was like, hey, we got everything we need. And God was like, okay, now let's see how you do if I just feed you day by day. I can't trust you to feed you and give you enough money because when I gave you enough, you was like new phone who this, okay? And so God is saying to keep you faithful and to keep you honest, I can only give you what I can trust you with because I it's more important for me that I have your heart than for you to have money, okay? So let's go to Proverbs 11 and 28. It says, and I'll just read it. It says, but but I put it in there for those of you that are taking notes. Proverbs 11 and 28, it says, he who trusts in his riches will fail, but the righteous will, flour will flourish like foliage. And so he's saying, if you're righteous, if you're doing the right thing, he said, then you're going to flourish. You're going to grow. Everything, every time you turn around, I'm going to bless you with more. I'm going to bless you with more. I'm going to bless you with more. Verse uh, Proverbs 18 and 11, it says, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall is his own esteem. So he says he put all his trust in his money. But the verse before that, Proverbs 18 and 10, I didn't put that in here, but Proverbs 18 and 10 says, but the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous runs into it and are saved. So the name of the Lord is the strong tower for the righteous man. But the rich man's wealth is his strong city or his strong tower. And he puts all of his esteem into his finances. But we want to be like Proverbs 18 and 10, where we say that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. OK, now we're going to move on now to proper desire. But I want to give you a quick testimony because I had something just recently uh, where the Lord was dealing with me. And there was something I had a substantial amount of money and the Lord was telling me to do something with it. And I was just like, uh, you know, I was like, I, I just couldn't let go of the money and give it where God told me to give it. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I was I was really kind of struggling with this thing. And I gave the money. And, and the reason that that it was hard, by the way, is because it wasn't just about giving the money. It was about making sure I had enough to do the things that I I needed to do. And so, but I could not deny that God was impressing upon my heart to give this substantial amount of money. And I, and it is substantial. We're talking about more than a thousand, more than 2000, uh, and more than 3000. But, but anyway, the, I, I gave this money and, and I'm like, Jesus, you know, okay, now I got to try to regroup and figure out 
how I'm going to deal with this other situation and get these other things done that I need to get done, work that needs to be done on the house, major work on walls and different things. And, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. The Lord told me to do this and I'm going to do it. And I did it. And that same week, God opened up a, a, a an avenue to be able to have more money than what I even expected, about six times more than, 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 uh, than what I gave. To opened up to me in order to make sure that we could get the things done, the you know, because we 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 really um, we got some major work that has to be done, you know, j- just just sharing that with you guys uh, for no particular reason, but but we got some major work that has to be done uh, from the standpoint of like even digging up our front yard, like our front yard has to be dug all up, and and they've got to do drilling through the basement wall into the yard tie some things off and brace a wall because one of the walls in the basement um, uh, has has been on a gangster lane, you know, for years. It's just like the, the, the wall is being pushed back and you can't really tell to look at it but, it, but it's something that if it's not taken care of, that it will cause some major issues in the future. So we're trying to deal with it now. But I mean, as you can imagine, things like that cost tens of thousands of dollars, okay? And, and, and but God is saying, if you trust me, if you're a good steward, if you're giving, if you're doing the things that I called you to do, he says, I will bless you. No questions about it. But I want you to have the proper perspective of money. So we realize that money is a spiritual issue. Money is a stewardship issue. We got to do the right things with it. And money can be a dangerous issue if we do not look at it as spiritual and be good stewards over it. Okay. Now that's proper perspective. Proper desire and proper value are going to move much quicker. Okay. Proper desire. Let's go into proper desire. Proper desire. The desire is not ultimately about money. So the proper desire for money is to have the mindset that is not ultimately about money. The issue is priorities and ambitions, our priorities and ambitions. He does not want want money uh, to affect his greatest ambition and relationship, which is God. Agar is saying, I don't want money to affect my greatest ambition and relationship, which is God. And if you look at the scripture in this way, Agar is saying, the, Agar in verse in chapter 30, verses seven through nine, when you look at it as proper priorities and proper ambitions, you realize that Agar is not actually talking about money. He's not talking about money at all. He's talking about how money affects his relationship with God. He's saying, I want my relationship with God to be more important than money. Because the scripture tells us right in what we just read in Matthew, you cannot serve God and money. So years before Matthew read that, Agar realized that money is a, is a, is a very uh, important thing that you have to be careful and tiptoe around in a certain extent to make sure that your, your dealings with money don't affect your greatest ambition, which is God. Okay, so he desired he desired uh, personal faithfulness. He had a desire for personal faithfulness, personal faithfulness. And he says that because he says, God, I want you to keep me from lies and falsehood in verse seven. He says, keep me from lies. Keep me from falsehood. Keep me from anything, from trying to gain wealth in any kind of way that would not be according to your will and according to your way. So he didn't want to be caught up in lies. He didn't want to be caught up in falsehood. He didn't want to be uh, in a position where he had too much and forgot about God. He had a desire for personal faithfulness to God. But then also he had a desire to keep a public testimony. And the public testimony is he says, God, I don't want to profane your name. I don't want to be out here stealing what I need because I feel like I don't have what I need. And I'm out here stealing because I don't feel like I have the proper resources or the things that I need. So he desired two things. He didn't desire money. Let's be clear about that. He wasn't desiring money. He desired God. He desired God and he desired whatever it was that God had for him. He said, God, give me the money that you have allotted for me. I don't want nobody else's money. I don't want to be out here lying and cheating and stealing, trying to get money. I don't want to be out here stepping over people and stepping on top of people trying to get money. Yes, I'm going to work. I'm not going to be like the sluggard. I'm going to be like the ant. I'm going to gather. I'm going to go out and harvest. I'm going to do the things that I should. But God, at the end of the day, I don't want to ever forget about you trying to uh, or forget about my desire, my proper desire for you out here desiring money and having an ambition toward money and having a priority to make money, 
okay? Because that's not what it's about, all right? So that's proper desire. I told you that one would be very short. We're going to move on now to proper value, okay? Proper value of money, the proper value of money. Agar valued his relationship with God and his call to glorify God more than he valued money. He put the greatest value on that which was the greatest value. Ain't that something? He put the greatest value on that which was the greatest value. You have to ask yourself, are you putting the greatest value, the greatest time, your greatest attention, your first place on the things that deserve to be first place? Or are your values and alignment systems out of whack? Okay. Now, this man is somebody who had a very, he was very self-aware. He was very self-aware. He said, I don't want to be rich and I don't want to be poor. He says, I don't want to live hand to mouth. I don't want to live check to check. He said, but I also don't need to have um, the uh, the 40,000 square foot mansion uh, out in the nicest neighborhood on the nicest strip that it, that everybody else and all the, uh, the, the place where all the nice people live. It's a bunch of nice houses out in the area called Huntley or town and country out here by where we live. Uh, he said, I don't need all that. I don't need to have the biggest house in St. Louis County. He said, but at the same time, don't put me in the shack back behind the alley or under the bridge. So, but he had a self-awareness to know that, okay? He said, God, only give me what you can trust me with. Only give me what you can trust me with. So he had a he had a a, a a desire to make the main thing the main thing. But we many times, if we're honest with ourselves, we will major in the minor, and we will minor in the major. We'll give God the least amount of time, even though He deserves the greatest amount of time, and He deserves first place in our life, and He deserves the first uh, the first fruits of our increase, as the Scripture calls it. He deserves what we have first. We ought to be thanking God uh, first, not just in our words, but in everything that we do. God bless us with a new job or promotion or whatever. And the last thing we do is give to God. The last thing we do is give to our neighbor. The last thing we do is tithe on it. The last thing we do is give an offering or do any of those kinds of things because we are minoring in the major things. But then we'll major in the minor. We get a new job and we go get a new car. We get a new job and we go get a new house. We get a new job and we go get a bigger apartment. We get a new job and we go rent something bigger. But the scripture talks about that kind of man. He talks about the man that had a bunch of grain. And, and, and in their days, this would be the same thing. But he had a bunch of grain. And he said, well, what do I do with all this grain? I got so much more than I could ever need. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go build a bigger barn and I'll have all my servants go take all that grain and put it in this bigger barn that I built. So I'm going to use some money to go build something bigger so that I can house all of this that I have. And I'm going to store up as much as possible. Forget the moth, forget the rust, forget the thief that breaks in and steals. Matter of fact, forget these servants that's out here building this for me. I'm not going to give them a raise. I'm not going to write by them. I just want to build a bigger barn so that I can have more place to put my money. And God said, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And so what does that mean? That That's us sometimes. Now, we look at that like that's crazy. Now, this man had all this wheat, all this grain. And so he says, well, I'm going to go build a bigger barn. I got more than I could ever need or want. But what I'm going to do with it instead of giving, instead of loving, instead of helping the poor, instead of finding a way to help someone who, who maybe doesn't have as easy as a way in life as I do, I'm going to find a way to hoard it as much of it as possible. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. That's the same thing as you get a promotion and you're like, oh, I got a new job or I got a promotion. Well, let me see if I can get a bigger house. You already had a bigger house. You already had what you needed. You didn't need no more bedrooms right now, but you just wanted more bedrooms. Got bathrooms you don't even use. You just wanted a bigger car. You didn't need a bigger car. You just wanted a nicer car. The car you had was fine. And I'm not saying that we should hate possessions. I'm not saying that we should not enjoy what it is that God has given us because a certain amount of enjoying what God has given you is wise because I know for me, if I don't have an opportunity to enjoy what God has given me, I get discouraged and I don't even want to earn. You know, if you can't enjoy nothing at all, you know, then 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 that's not wise either. But if every time you turn around when your finances increase, so does your expenditures and you're not even saving, you're not giving, you're not paying your bills, you're just getting into more debt, then that is not wise. And we're not putting the proper value on money. But in this case, Agar had a value on money uh, that was diminished in in conjunction or in uh, um, in uh, juxtaposition the value that he 
had on his relationship with God. Now, I want to go with you through eight quick things, eight things that are more valuable than money, according to scripture in Proverbs. And one, and, and the most important is the fear, um, the fear of the Lord. And in verse 15, in chapter 15 and verse 16, it says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. So you can have a little amount, but have this, this, this reverential fear of God, this, this, this respect for God and the word of God. And he says that's better than having great treasure and being in trouble. You see people all the time that have money and yet they commit suicide. They're millionaires and yet they're still uh, uh, not happy, okay? Because they're filled with trouble. But God said it's better to have a little and to fear the Lord than to have great with trouble. The next thing is wisdom. Chapter three and verse 13 through 20. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. That's talking about wisdom when it says her. For wisdom's proceeds, proceeds, excuse me, are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Because wisdom will get you everything that you need. Wisdom will uh, open up doors for you. When the Bible says that when God told Solomon, I'll give you anything that you want, Solomon desired wisdom. And the Bible says he became the richest man in the land. Because why? He didn't seek after wealth. He sought after the wisdom of God. He sought after the face of God. He sought to be able to, <coughs> excuse me, not even just the wisdom of God, but he said, God, give me the wisdom to rule over your people. So he said, God, don't even give me wisdom for me, but give me wisdom so that I can be a good king, so that I can be uh, someone who rightly divides the word of truth and that I can rule in a righteous way over your people. And God said, because you asked of wisdom, because you saw wisdom as being more precious than rubies and all the things that you desire could not be compared with her. And you realize that he said, I'm going to give you everything else. And verse 16 says it's better than length of days is in the right hand of wisdom. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Everything that you need can be found with wisdom. Now, here's the thing. Scripture tells us in the first chapter of the book of Proverbs, it says that that the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge is what? It is the fear of the Lord, okay? So we get right back to number one. That's the most important thing. That's where we enter in is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord brings about wisdom and wisdom brings about everything that you could ever want. We were watching last night Aladdin with the kids and I was kind of thinking about, you know, if I could have one wish from a genie, you know, we know it's not real, but if you just just think about, you know, sometimes you think about silly things like that. If you could have one thing, the one wish I would have, just like Solomon would be, God, give me wisdom. Because with wisdom comes everything else you need. He says in verse 16, with wisdom comes the length of days. If you're wise, he said, you'll live longer. Why? Because you got wisdom about how to exercise. You got wisdom about how to eat right. You got wisdom about how to take care of your body. He said, wisdom will even allow you to live longer on this earth. And wisdom, because wisdom uh, encompasses the fear of the Lord, then you're going to get uh, um, a, new, a new body. And you're going to come to a new heaven and a new earth, and you're going to have everlasting life because of wisdom. He said, but even down here in, in her right hand is length of days, okay? And right hand represents authority. Most people uh, uh, in the Bible, just like today, were right-handed. So when it talks about in her right hand, it's talking about a position of authority, okay? Or a position of of, of, of um of something that is is more right because it talks about uh jesus being seated at the left hand of the father and god is a spirit he don't have no hands right but he's talking about that position of authority but then he says in her left hand is honor and riches everything that you could ever need is right there all right it's a position of authority and it's a position of power okay but then he says that but then ancillary to that or the left hand is riches and honor so that's that's wisdom now let's talk about the next thing. We got, again, uh, eight things, and these are going to go pretty quick now, okay? The next thing that is better than, than money is righteousness. Righteousness. <clears throat> and he says in, in chapter 10 and verse 2, treasures of, wicked, of wickedness profit nothing. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. 
but righteousness delivers from death. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. So you can have money and be wicked and it's not a profit at all. But he says, but righteousness, the righteousness of God delivers us from death. It delivers us from that death of Adam, where he said, the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And they had a death, which was separation from the spirit of God. And eventually they had a death, which was uh, death. He says, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. He, but righteousness delivers us from that death, okay? Verse uh, chapter 16 and verse eight, he says, better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Vast revenues without justice. And that, <clears throat> excuse me, that without justice is uh, is just money that is not governed well. It's not governed well. It's not put in the proper place, okay? All right. The next one is, uh, number four is a good name. The scripture tells us that money, that a good name is better than money. Verse 22 uh, and verse one says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Because you know what? If you've got a good name, it can open up doors for you that money never could. There's rich people that you can't trust. And then there's poor people that you know would never steal from you that would never do anything wrong. And so uh, never do anything wrong to you purposefully. And so he says, he's saying here in Proverbs, he's saying that a good name is better than having money. So that's another thing that's better than having money. Again, we're talking about the proper value of money. We've already come through four things that have a value higher than money. And it's not even just about God, okay? These are things that people who don't even believe in God could benefit from and know that money is better than money wisdom i'm sorry and know that these things are better than money wisdom righteousness a good name the fear of god all of these things are better than money here's another one honesty honesty is better than money chapter 19 and verse 22 it said what is a man I'm sorry, what is desired in a man is loving kindness. I put loving there in, su in superscript because the scripture just says kindness, but the word actually means loving kindness. And it's just saying um, a person who is sweet, a person who shows compassion, okay? What is desired What is desired in a man is loving kindness. That's what we want, right? We want that in a mate. We want that in a friend. We want someone who loves. We want someone who is kind. We want someone who is honest and trustworthy, someone who is not a backbiter, somebody who's not going to um, uh, turn their back on us at the drop of a hat, someone who's not going to lie to us. It goes right back to having that good name. And it says, in a poor man, a, a poor man is better than a liar. So you can have as much money as you want, but if you're known as a liar, it's never going to be good. It's never going to be good. Number six, integrity. Integrity is better than having money. Chapter 28 and verse six, it says, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich though he be rich. We'd rather have someone who walks in integrity than one who is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. And I think we all, especially in this political climate that we're dealing with right now, I think we all could think of somebody who uh, is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Okay, and, and, and we see the types of things that are happening and the things that are going on because that person is perverse in their ways. And though they be rich, it doesn't matter. But it's better to be poor and walk in integrity than to be perverse in our ways, even though you are rich. Because guess what? All of that stuff is coming out now because the Bible says that when you're haughty in spirit, that pride and haughtiness comes before a fall. OK, the next thing is love. Money is 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 to be ranked below love. Chapter 15 and verse seven, it says better is a dinner of vegetables where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Better is a dinner of vegetables where love is, and the scripture says herbs, but I put vegetables because that's what it means. I want you to understand that. Chapter 15 and verse 17, it says, better is a dinner of vegetables where there is love than a fatted calf with hatred. It talks about when we talk about killing the fatted calf, that's talking about a celebration. Uh, think of it as like a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal or something where we sit down and have a big meal. He said, better is it to have a table where you're sitting around a table with family members where you all are loving each other, uh, one of my favorite things that we do here in this house is that we'll sit down and we'll talk about our day. 
and we'll talk about what our best thing was from the day and what the worst thing was from the day. Uh, it's something Jessica started, and we sit down and we eat our meals together at, at most nights, and we talk or just talk. And most of the time, somebody, if not just about everybody, will say, well, my favorite thing of today was being here right now with my family. Um, and it never gets old. You know, it never gets old because even though it sounds corny, it's true. A lot of times that is the best part of our day uh, is just being there with family. And another thing, as a side note, we're not talking about this today, but as an aside, um, the more that we sit down and do these meals and talk about the best part of our day and the worst part of our day, the more that we have a best part of our day and not a worst part of our day, because that's what gratitude, that's what gratefulness gets you. If you begin to focus on the positive, then it will minimize the negative. But we've got an attitude where we have many times will focus in on the negative and will minimize the positive, okay? That's why the scripture tells us, come magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Because when we magnify the name of the Lord, a magnifying glass makes something larger to us. Okay, God is already large, but many times we have made our God too small because we magnify the things that the enemy has done and we minimize the things that God has done. But he calls for us to magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together, because when we magnify God, then then we make God bigger to ourselves and bigger in our lives. So the more we sit down for those family dinners, the more we sit down um, uh, in those loving family uh, situations, the less likely we are to have things that are negative because we're maximizing the positive, okay? And he says it's better to do that. It's better to have those loving meals, even if you couldn't have no meat, even if what you have is scarce, if you can sit there and have peace and love and joy being with your family, then that's better than having a whole bunch of good tasting food and people fighting and, and, and angry at each other. And this one can't get along with that one. And that one can't get along with the other one. And we've all been to Thanksgiving meals like that too, where people start to act a fool and get to fighting. Or if nothing else, we've seen movies like that. They got all this food spread out on the table, but they're acting a fool and fighting with each other. Okay, but those kind of things happen in real life. But he says it's better to have a, a scant dinner uh, uh, where you barely got any food, but you're smiling and you love each other. Because why? Because love and, and the love of your family and the love of your friends is better than even having money. The last one here, as far as proper value, is peace. Whew. How many of you know it's better to have peace than to have money? My God, chapter 17 and verse one, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. So he said, look, it's, it's better to have some dry ramen noodles with quietness than to have a house full of feasting and again have strife. So that goes just back like we talked about the one before with love, with love and peace. We rather have little than to have much and not have uh, and not have things like peace and love. Now, notice all those things that I just named with regards to proper value, the fear of the Lord, wisdom, righteousness, a good name, honesty, integrity, love and peace. All of those things cannot be purchased with money. None of those things can be purchased with money. So in closing, here's what I want you to remember. Any wealth you have that God has not apportioned to you will be ill-gotten. And the most important things cannot be purchased, okay? That's when we're talking about value. The most important thing cannot be purchased. So we want to make sure that we have a proper perspective on money. And what is that? We want to have a proper perspective that money is a spiritual issue, that money is a stewardship issue, and that money is a dangerous thing. We can't serve God in money. And if money is not put into its proper place, it can be a danger to us. We also want to have the proper desire with regards to money. And, and the proper desire means that we're not just desiring money to be rich. We're not just desiring money so that we can get a bigger house and a nicer car and, and just spend as much as we can. We're not desiring money so we can build a bigger barn and store up more money than we could ever have. And we just want to be rich. But a desire for money is a, a desire to be faithful to God in our finances and to have a public testimony that we please the Lord. OK. And then lastly, our proper value for money is understanding that the value of, of money is, is nothing in comparison to the value of peace, the value of love, 
the value of a good name, the value of integrity, the value of wisdom, the value of the fear of God and having the fear of God, the value of honesty and the value of love and peace. And they do not compare. They do not compare uh, when you're talking about the importance of money. There's so many things that are so much more important. And we want God to bless us financially, but what we want and what we desire is for God to bless us with our allotted portion. We don't want ill-gotten money. We don't want money uh, that, that we had to strive so much to get or that we had to, to, to cheat on our taxes a little bit to get a little bit more back. No, that's not the kind of money that we want. And we don't even necessarily want to be the, 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 just the richest that we can possibly be because we have to say, God, give me what I can handle with regards to money. OK, God, don't give me too little, but God, don't give me more than I'm able to handle. God, help me and increase me with with uh, by which I am able to handle it. Or as I increase my ability to handle money, God, then I'm asking you to increase my finances as I increase my ability to handle my finances. Because the last thing that I want is to be in a position where God blesses me with more than I'm able to handle where God allows me to go into a place prematurely that my character cannot yet sustain me in that place. All right. So into a, in order to allow uh, to align our finances, and that's what we were talking about today, in order to align our finances, we have to align our hearts. In order to align our finances, we have to align our hearts. Uh, and, and that's what really this message was about today is aligning our hearts so that we can align our finances uh, next week, we got to look at aligning our hearts this week. How do we align our hearts in such a way that we deal with our finances correctly? Now, we talked about in Bible study this past week, uh, we talked about the man that came to Jesus and said, how do I gain eternal life? Or how do I acquire eternal life? He wanted eternal life uh, because like we said before, he was a rich man. And he said, you know, life is pretty good for me. I wouldn't mind living like this always. And so he came to God with this superficial concept of what eternal life was. He wasn't looking for a relationship with God. He wasn't even looking to go to heaven. He was looking for how to just live forever is what he asked. And so what God told him is first he said, you know, obey the commandments. And he said, well, I've always obeyed those commandments. I do that all the time. And so then God said, knowing that he was rich, he said, go and sell everything that you have. And when you sell everything that you have, then you will have treasure in heaven. And, and, and I want you to put this together and understand what he was saying here. He said, if you sell everything you have, and then he said, when you get that money from everything that you have, give it to the poor. Then he said, then you will have treasure in heaven. Now, listen to this. The scripture tells us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what God was showing him is that if you really want to be in the kingdom of God, if you really want relationship with God, if you really want this eternal life that you are seeking, he was calling for him because he saw his heart. He was calling for him to do something outwardly that would cause his heart to change. Because he said, if you sell all this stuff that you have, that's where your heart is now, because that's where your treasury is, is in this great wealth that you have. He said, but if you will do something for me, he said, go take all that stuff that you have and take all that stuff and sell it. And then once you sell it, give the money to the poor. He said, then you're going to have treasure in heaven. What was happening? He was saying, this is how you change your heart. You change your heart with this natural thing that you do. You change your insides with this natural thing that you do. So here's my challenge for each and every one of you that thinks that they need more money. I want you to pray and I want you to seek God. And maybe he's already showed you this uh, or, or, or maybe something will come to you and God will say, this is it over the next week. But I want you to allow God to challenge you in some way, shape or form in your finances. Something that you don't want to do with your money. I want you to do it this week. Just like I talked about before, the money that the Lord called me to, to give that I didn't want to give, the things that he, God calls me all the time to do different things. He lays things on my heart, give to this person, give to that person. It's not even always necessarily that that person uh, uh, needs it like they're poor, but sometimes God will just say give. And, and it's always a test. It's always a test for God to see, can I trust you? And to show us that he can trust us or that he cannot trust us. So this week, I want you to be on the lookout. This is the homework assignment. I want you to be on the lookout for a way, just like with that rich man in the scripture, where God said, I'm going to test your heart. 
I'm going to test you with regards to your heart because I want you to take everything that you have and give it to the poor. Everything you have and sell it and give the money to the poor. And he said, and that's going to change your heart because guess what? Now you're trusting in your riches. But if you don't have, not only you don't have your possessions, but you don't even have no money because the money that you got from selling your possessions, even that went to the poor, you ain't going to have no choice but to turn to God with all of your heart. And now your heart has been changed because of the outward thing that you did. So I want you to be looking for a way this week. I want you to be looking for a way this week for God to challenge you with regards to your finances and give to something or to someone. Now, I'm not saying give everything you have. Now, now the thing about it is if God told you to give everything you have, then you can't go wrong. But, but see, this could not be denied in the scripture because Jesus in his flesh, sitting right there with the man, spoke the words out of his mouth and said, give everything you have. Now, if that happens, if God say, give everything that you got and you know that you know that you know that you know that it's God saying, give it all up, then you got to do it. But 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 in the vast majority of cases, God is not calling for you to give all, but he is testing you with some area of your finances. And he said, I will give you more, but you have got to give. You have got to do the right thing. I have to know that I can trust you. And when God tests you in your heart, he says, I will change your heart by the things that you did with your hands. I will change your heart by the things that I called you to do with your hands. Whatever he calls your hands to do this week, when it comes to your finances, do it. And I believe you're going to have a testimony of how he blessed you with even more. Next week, we are going to talk about practical aspects of aligning our finances. But the first thing that we had to do is we had to get the information on how to properly align our hearts how do we align our hearts first? And now that we have talked about aligning our hearts, now we're going to talk about aligning our finances, okay? Aligning our finances. We're going to talk about things like giving and saving and investing and not getting into debt uh, and all of those things that are important for us to do, okay? We're going to talk about all of those things next week, how to plan, how to work, uh, and how to do all of the things that are necessary to now align our finances now that we have aligned our heart, amen? We hope this has been a blessing. Join us live on Sundays via Zoom. Relationship Kids is at 11.30 a.m. Prayer is at 12.30 p.m. And service starts at 12.45 p.m. All times given are in the central time zone. The login number is 314-720-8880. Feel free to call that number for prayer or text the word connect there to grow with us. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. Until next time, take care.